the sun, looking out for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started from, hustle, scrape your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101, California, here we come, right back where we started Welcome from, Welcome to the... Oh, you did not do vocal warm-ups. Welcome. Ooh, how's that voice for you? Uh, it's Tom Likasy. <laughs> Welcome to the OCD, bitch, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at a seminal and underrated primetime soap of the early aughts, the OC. I'm your host for the evening, Mike Lycus, and with me as always is Ryan. Hey, Mike. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I was just calling to see if I uh, like a girl and she likes the OC, how should I treat her? Oh, you should treat her like dirt. Just some sort of Riverside tramp. They love that. She said that she's not from Riverside, she's from Riverdale. Is that the same thing? Oh, my friend, you should run away. She will shoot Montauk cocktails out of guns at you. That town is crazy. (laughs) That's not what we do here. We just take a nice, modern look at the best show that's ever been made, The O.C. We don't don't do any call-ins. We don't do any uh, misogyny that is or is not. It definitely was never ironic. Uh, I mean, there was that episode where they went to L.A., uh-huh. And, you know, met a famous actor from their version of the OC. So The Valley? I mean, we do have at least one Colin. We do have one Colin. We'll always only ever have one Colin. The one Colin show. That's what they call us. Out of everybody who's been related to the OC that we could get on this show, do you think Colin Hanks is number one with a bullet? I think so. And that's not to call him a loser. Not to say that only losers would be on this show. But he's just so excited about everything, you yeah. know? And. Would most of the time, you'd be like, sure, I was on the OC. It was sort of fun. Let me tell you about Tower Records. And we like, we fucking get it, Colin. Let it go. I used to love The Warehouse, but I'm not making documentaries about it. You know who should be the last person to let Tower Records go? Tower Records. And they did it. So yeah. come on, Colin Hanks. How about you do it now? It's so weird that he talks about Tower Records more than he talks about his dad. Mm-hmm. Be in love with your dad's career. Or his deadbeat fucking brother. I feel like we talk about oh, his deadbeat brother. His like, Chaz. Every third Fuck show. You, yeah. Chaz. Okay, Mike, calm down. You I, heard I should so not have bad. said anything. Uh, fucking Chaz Hanks. He should host the Oscars. Chaz Hanks should host the Oscars. I don't know when this comes out. We might already have an Oscar host, but... No, we still won't. Weeks away, we still won't. It does not matter. Have you thought about that uh, they should not have asked Kevin Hart and they should have asked Kevin Fart and how he would have been a great Oscar host? Yeah, because he would speak... It's just Kevin Hart doing the Ace Ventura talk through his butt. Oh. I want to see that right now. (laughs) That's only an Ace Ventura? I thought that was like a real condition people had. (laughs) <laughs> the, the talk through the butt disease? Talk through the butt disease. You don't want to make fun of it. They are real sensitive, and they get stinky when it gets sensitive. You know, the problem with that is that uh, I've noticed when they talk, their sentences, not a lot of periods or commas. It's just all colons. Oh! Is that the kind of jokes Kevin Fart would make? Probably. <laughs> I like it. I want to see this this Halloween costume character. Unless he just had, um, you know, intestine cancer, and then it'd, they'd be semicolons. <laughs> I don't, ah! I don't know how the body works. Nobody does. <laughs> you think doctors would nope. try. They, I mean, they're still trying to just dig into the graves. Doctors, the minute it wasn't okay to dig up bodies, they stopped learning about the body. Went, oh, how are we going to get in those graves? Oh, and by the way, when you're not looking, anytime you turn, turn away from a doctor, they're just digging in graves. That's what, they can't help it. They bring a grave to the office and start digging. <laughs> Which is so hard to do. 
It's so hard, but they got that money. Where do you think your insurance money where, is where, going, where you folks? Think, That's oh, where it is. You're paying that Aetna Cygnus taking so much of you? It's for the goddamn grave Illuminati, Robin doctor. Illuminati's giving it all to the doctors to just dig just up those learn graves. Learn about those graves. How do they work? And this isn't cool digging up graves like Indiana Jones would do because it's a pharaoh or whatever. Yeah. We're talking about people who died three weeks ago of, like, ingrown toenail. Yeah. They're like, dig them up. There's no ins- there's 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 no booby traps in fucking Joseph Conrad. Wait, that's a real famous person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joseph Crowley in his fucking grave. I always try to think of a, like a name of a not famous person, but it's a real catch twenty two. Every time I try, so hard. I don't get it. Uh, but we're not here just to rant about grave robbing doctors. And Ryan, that's why I never go to the doctor's office. Wait, is Joseph Conrad Heart of Darkness? I don't know, man. I don't read books. Why did we step into this territory? It if was, we're talking about doctors, then we know what we're talking about. I know, but we can't. We started talking about books. I'm sort of near it, and it feels like it's drawing me in. And even though I was sent to fix it, maybe I'm the one going mad? Yeah, probably. Which I think brings us to tonight's OC, where everybody goes a little bit mad sometimes. Tonight on the OC. Joseph Heller. Wrote Catch-22, Catch yeah. And Joseph Conrad did do Heart of Darkness? No, Mike, I'm sorry. He wrote Fart of Darkness. Oh, Kevin Farts at it again. On the OC, Julie and Cal are getting married in two weeks' time, and it's up to Kirsten and Marissa to throw a fancy couple's wedding shower. None of that tacky shit with fucking whoopee talk. Marissa invites Julie's estranged sister, Cindy, who really brings the Riverside to play. Meanwhile, Teresa, something like that. Marisa, ah! Meanwhile, Teresa calls Sandy for help and tries to keep it from Ryan. And Jimmy and Haley continue their romance, and Seth awkwardly meets Summer's father. All that and more on tonight's OC. Ryan, so this episode kicks off around the breakfast counter, as it so often does in the Cohen household. And that's when Kirsten just repeating two weeks over and over and over again. And we learn. Cal and Julie decided they'd get married in two fucking weeks. All right, so let's just start off right here. There is no reason. I guess uh, sweeps would be the only reason that fake people would want to get married in two weeks. You did it in 10 days. Yeah. You got, it was 10 days between proposal and marriage for you. Well, I knew Cal and Julie said two weeks. I went, well, I cannot do Cal and Julie. Do you think that was a good idea? I do. I think we fit in eight months of planning into those 10 days, so why do people even wait? Well, a lot of the time when you guys were planning, you and your lovely wife, you would play in the background, and that would help you go uh-huh. faster. Or sometimes the Benny Hill. Uh-huh. But we wouldn't work during Benny Hill. We'd just run around the house. Also, it wasn't the Benny Hill theme song. It was just Benny Hill doing speeches, great speeches from the past. That's what Benny Hill's known for. Right. Four score and seven years ago, we'd punch that paper hanging Hitler in the face. And then she would say, of course, um, are you sure you want to do this? Like, uh, do you really need this to be in the background? You were like, yes, I'm going to die on this hill. Yes, and I did. (laughs) And then Sandy says it's the shock and awe approach to courtship, which is classic Sandy line. Yes. Loved it. Because Sandy, who, by the way, is in even like when he's lawyering, is in board shorts for this entire episode. Oh, yeah. And there is a feeling, I think it's because he just got paid two and a half million dollars. But there's a laid-back energy to Sandy this whole time, and I think there's a lot of acceptance. Okay, He's doing okay with accepting that the lighthouse is gone, mm-hmm. but he's doing great at accepting the fact that Cal is part of his life. Yeah. He's marrying Julie Cooper. All this stuff is going down. Sandy's going, you this is hilarious. This is all fine. And he's right that they do have a, you know, I think that Marissa and Ryan really think that they have like a, a thought-out, well-written uh, approach to drama. Uh-huh. And 
Julian Cal shotgun drama. Right. Like they cocked the shotgun and blasted over everyone. It's almost like they had a dinner planning. When should we get married? A normal amount of time? And Cal was like, well, everybody's pretty happy right now. Now that we've both been through it, what is a normal amount of time? I I think 10 days was too short. Yeah, 10 days was rough. Yours was planned about seven months? Probably. I think that's the perfect amount of time. More than that, what are you doing? There's so little you can do. And you need some you need a little bit of tension. But you also have to think about like it's seven months. Let's say it's seven months, but how much are you just not doing until the like the last ten days? Right. Should it just be ten days? You know what? It should probably just be ten days. Two weeks is too long. And if they can't make it in ten days, they don't love you anyway. Right. I had to marry somebody else. The wife did not show up at the wedding. We like we're always frustrated about like how do I figure out if people love me or not? There's not a test. There is a test. Get there married in test. ten days and see if people show up. Yeah, marriage is nothing but a test. Normally, it's you're testing your partner. Or a pregnancy test to see if you should get married. But weddings are a test for everybody else. Yes. You don't get to test Nana that often in your life. But you get married. Nana better be there. We are getting married in Burbank. Will you fly in from Anaheim to go to the wedding? No? Fuck you. Get out. We don't have any drivers. You hang up before they even say, I'll drive there. I live so close. My, that's my phone policy. It's just to scream get out after get my out. first question and then hang up the phone. That's why a little prank I like to do is... Say, hey, Ryan, what's your favorite movie? Get yeah, out! Get God out. damn it! I thought that movie was fine at best. Was, I'm just kidding. I'm just so kidding. It was so good, but favorite, please, that's a little much. Please don't tell anybody that I thought that Get Out was mediocre. So that's what Kirsten and Sandy are going through. And then Sandy gets interrupted, making very clever remarks by a phone call. Teresa goes, don't tell Ryan. <laughs> and Sandy goes, who is this? I'm calling from outside the house, <laughs> as most people do. Uh, and she won't tell Sandy what's up, but she needs legal advice and because she only caters two hours away from where she lives, she's once again to Newport for some catering gigs. This time at a catering bakery? Uh-huh. Not a caterickery. A, a caterickery. And then who else is going on what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you, an old man reading a newspaper? <laughs> well, well, give me other characters. What are they going through in the intro right now? Oh, we're just talking about set, everything? Yeah, we're trying to set the scene. And then Seth finds out that uh, Summer and her dad talk regularly. And he's like, what, what, what? Your dad? And so, like, well, I introduced you to my parents and my living adopted brother, brother. and Manana. Manana. I introduced you to Manana, and you made Manana split. I'm just kidding. Summer didn't make her leave, but the cancer did. The the cancer made her leave. This mortal coil. Um. So how come I haven't met your dad, your favorite person of all time? And there's a glint in Summer's eye. Like there might be a reason or There two. might be a reason. It's not that she talks to her dad normal. We've learned the only person Summer does bits with yeah. is her dad over the phone. Right. Because they're talking about making fetus, and she's like, I'll bring the marks. Just kidding, <laughs> you old so-and-so. Summer's like, man, dad, I was flicking the bean the other day. <laughs> she turns into dirty Catherine Hepburn. It's the fucking weirdest thing in the world. Aww. And so <laughs> Seth's eyebrows are... Dirty Catherine Hepburn is clean Jimmy Stewart, by the way. <laughs> Same impression. <laughs> You got a dirty Jimmy? <laughs> that's later in the show? Yeah. <laughs> dirty Jimmy's got a dirty Jimmy. So that's that's what Seth and uh, Summer are doing. Yep. <laughs> and Marissa and Ryan are just like dealing with being happy. They kissed that one time. They're back together. Bug Seth. Seth's like, she should be crying. He should be brooding. What's happening? What show are we on? It came very close to fourth wall breaking in that intro scene. Uh, and then Kirsten finds out. That Julie, Julie, who interrupts Kirsten on a work call, just keeps talking, just does the bulldoze method. Uh, that one, she's very upset because the DJ said no Bob Seger at your own wedding, which fucked up DJ, but also he's right. Yeah. Is that wedding music? No. There is nothing about Bob Seger 
But you have to admit, I mean, it makes sense that Julie likes him because she was a one-time backup dancer for Bob Seger. Uh-huh. She was a cigarette. And I think, personally, she was smoking. Smoking. But if your wedding is in two weeks and you want to play Bob Seger, the last time you listened to Bob Seger was fucking an 18-year-old who was your daughter's ex-boyfriend, maybe don't play it that. It doesn't that. And you want to remember that because of all the old balls that are about yeah, to hit your so forehead. Many, okay, so that's why you want to listen. But I do, like, it's, it's always fun to shit on Julie, okay? Oh, yeah. And Caleb's going to learn that very soon on the honeymoon. But I got to say, we have both thrown weddings in the recent past. Sh- Julie pulls the move that all newlyweds or about to be newlyweds mm-hmm. get of just walk in, sort of politely dictate orders, and then oh, just yeah. leave. And then just flit out of the room. It, it should this be her permanent position is always about to get married. Oh, that's so good. Her personality and her role in life are lined up. We were each other's best man. And we spent the entire year before we got married going donut. And the other person would have to drive to a donut store that was closed. We both picked donut stores that we liked that were closed. Go in, restart it, open up a business, get your business license (laughs) back, turn on all of the equipment, learn how to make donuts, and then bring the other one a donut. Because that shows you care. And if that person didn't get a donut fast enough, we would grab into our donut satchel and start chucking stale donuts at their head. Yeah. I would uh, not tell you sprinkles. I would uh, alternate whether I wanted sprinkles or not. But if you brought one that was not sprinkles, I would uh, look at you, grab my bag of sprinkles, and then grab my brass knuckles and punch you in the balls as hard as I could. It's a hilarious prank. Newlyweds. Newlywed sprinkles. So that's we've covered everybody. That's what's going on with everybody. Mm. We have not covered my new idea. Canister of potato chips covered in frosting and sprinkles called Springles. Springles? Is that going to be good? Also, they're spring roll flavored. Pop, you don't stop vomiting? Yeah, you don't stop vomiting. I like it. I think it'll be big. I put food poisoning in every canister. Ooh, look at you, ingenious. (laughs) Oh, I love when you stop sentences halfway through. (laughs) Nope, that was the sentence. That's a full sentence. I learned recently no is a full sentence. That's what a lot of like self-improvement instagram things i've been following say uh okay no <laughs> shit it worked mm-hmm. i just stopped except mm-hmm. for now when i'm still talking no damn it it's not working is it my fault so that's the stories are those all the stories that's everything we'll be dealing with i think oh and jimmy and Haley are secretly banging and don't want people to know still but man when so you badly. get divorced we just talked about how lovely our weddings were now let's talk about how lovely our post-divorce oh, is gonna be, gonna so be. you don't want kids, but you're going to have them. I want kids, but don't have the sperm count to mm-hmm. have them. Do you think that, like, post-divorce, party down, right? Pody? It's time to hook up with everyone. Yes. But do you think you're going to be a little bit better than TV characters are at keeping that from your kids? Or do you think you're like, hey, daughter, what up? Uh, just so you know, it's going to become a rabbit orgy in here. Okay, I do think Surf Bro Jimmy, Jimmy, we could do this right now because Jimmy and Haley have a pretty quick arc. Uh, when Marissa walks in and they're very bad at it because they're just talking about Marissa's coming home, we should stop. One, Jimmy, you have a bedroom. And it spells like Haley's sex and Jimmy's farts. Oh, yeah, because that's all those two do is sex and fart no matter what, even if they're not sexing and farting. They're much like the Macy Playground song, Sex and Farts. <laughs> and that one did not do as well. No, don't have follow-up songs, folks. Um, Unless you're meatloaf. So Marissa walks in and they're very bad because they're like, oh, 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 oh. Because they're coming. <laughs> and then she's talk- she's like, well, Jimmy had a leaky Faucet. <laughs> Don't use euphemisms when you're trying to hide from your daughter. And also, get that. Go to a fucking dick doctor and get your leaky faucet checked. By the way, Marissa, um, uh, I, there's no reason for me to be here. And your your father has syphilis. 
I'm just going to tell you that right now. That explains so many of his decisions. And then when Marissa said, oh, I know. That was weird. What are we doing, OC? Weird family. And then the second time they have a real moment is they're like about to tell everybody. And they're like, well, this wedding is happening in two weeks. And Kirsten's really stressed because the shower is tonight. And she just found out. Plus, secrets are hot. Should we just not tell anybody? They went, yeah. And they started making it hardcore on the Cohen's doorstep. Okay. They said, you know what? I have a problem. I have two problems with this. One, everything is crazy right now. Caleb and Juku are getting married. Now is the perfect time. Because this is going to seem so not weird right. in comparison. Pile it all on tonight. Just own it. And then... It's not the crime. It's the cover-up. The, pro- the other problem besides that is that if you decide not to tell them, get the fuck off the patio and get go kiss somewhere patio. else. Kiss somewhere else, but never on the patio. Not on the patio. It's not a kissing patio. So that's what's going on with them. And we'll check in on reactions later. But Ryan, when we come back, let's talk about the plight of Teresa. Fun. Ryan! Paint a little picture of what's going on in Teresa's life for us right now. Why did she call Sandy? Well, she called Sandy, Mike, because I'm pretty sure she knew that she was making a terrible, terrible romantic decision, yet what she thought was a good life decision, you know, in marrying Eddie because he had a good job Uh and he didn't look too much like Satan, only just just enough. the sexy amount of Satan. Just the sexy amount of Satan that we all want and dream of and jerk off to. Um... But and knew that he was a hothead. But Ryan's right. a hothead, and I mean hothead like Satan's a hothead. Sure, his head is hot. His whole thing is hot. His tail is hot. Everything's 80s hot. Is a hothead. He's the. I mean, he's in a lot of ways different than Chili Willy in that Chili Willy's head is hot, but Chili Willy's feet are cold. With Eddie, his whole thing is hot. What the L is a Chili Willy? You don't know what Chili Willy is? No. Partnered of Woody Woodpecker, I think. I don't know. These are cartoons from the sixties. Mike, does he wear a beanie? Did he used to sell? Kid meals? No, that's your kid cuisine penguin. Okay, that's not Chili Willy? There's a lot of different penguins in the world. Am I being penguinist? Yes. Um, But we knew, because we're racist, or at least uh, Mm cityist, that if you're from Chino, and you uh, live in Chino for long enough, you will, at some point, punch your wife. You leave Chino, or you live there long enough to see yourself become a villain. Is that from something? (laughs) The OC. It's what Ryan's dad tells him when he leaves. I thought it was from The Dark Knight. I thought it was the Joker saying, you leave Gotham or you live long enough to see yourself become a bat. Yes, everybody's a bat. And now everyone's a bat. Good Gotham ghost. Um, And yes, we probably could have all seen this coming, not because we know what Chino is like, but because we know what TV shows are like. But not you and I. You and I were like, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie is a hero. You'll never do no wrong. I wonder if, if I could defend ourselves for a second, that we were a little tired of Ryan's shit. And I wonder if when we saw this for the first time that we thought Ryan was a hero in all things. Because in this episode, the final scene makes him do the right thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of finally listens to Kirsten's whole, you know, Teresa's a victim. We could probably talk about Teresa a little bit. Oh, man. Kirsten goes off throughout this whole episode. Uh, I'm jumping to it. I'm jumping to it, Ryan. You made me do it. You made me fucking do it. Is Kirsten's wisdom... In place of Sandy Wisdom, is so everybody's like, who should we talk to? Do we go deal with Eddie? We don't let Ryan deal with Eddie. What's happening? There's a lot of back and forth. Teresa. 
And Sandy's about to hop in the car, even though he talked Ryan out of doing. He's like, I'm going to go talk to Eddie. And Kirsten's like, what if you, I don't know, talk with the kid you adopted who's having some anger issues. Cool, cool, cool. And Teresa, who has a black eye. Instead of, you can't do anything to Eddie. Right. Deal with the kids who are here. There's things that you want to do to Eddie, but should not, because you'll go to jail. And there's things that you can't do. Like Eddie is a lost cause. Yeah. As far as these characters well, are concerned in this hour, Eddie is a lost cause. Well, he's an adult. He's a full-grown adult marrying a child, like it was some sort of 1800s, and he's not theirs. Are you making some sort of comparison between Sandy and Ryan in this episode of the hit television show, The O.C.? I might be. That they both have to hear the same advice, except that Sandy gets to give that advice to Ryan. But there's two things going on, and I think that is sort of how it works. Adults, allegedly, think real quick. And then figure out that that's stupid and kids just be stupid and then drive to a hotel room. But there is no circumstances, Sandy or Ryan, where Eddie's like, oh, my God, I never thought about it that way. And I'll be good forever. Well, it's, and that's what everybody's telling Teresa. that she. So what do they think they're going to do? So it's only about, well, I'm going to go try to talk sense to him. And the minute he steps up, I get to fucking deck him. Do you know about the continuing adventures of Kirsten and Teresa? No. Okay. So we are going to have more to talk about on this topic. Cool. But Kirsten is coming from the most woke place possible mm-hmm. in the history of 2003 television. That's exciting. And then we'll also learn that Kirsten was Teresa. Kirsten Ooh. and Teresa have a lot in common. Now, I'm not saying that Sandy Who's ever hit Kirsten's Kirsten. Who's Kirsten's Eddie? Did Jimmy hit her? <laughs> Jimmy's got a Jimmy. That would flesh out so many things in a weird, unexpected way. No, Kirsten didn't get hit, but Kirsten, I think, sees a more kindred spirit in Teresa than in anybody in Newport. Really? Yes. I can't wait to see that. So we'll get back to this particular episode. But let's talk about this episode. Uh, and Teresa tells Sandy not to go. And Sandy, Sandy has a lot of attempts at wisdom, but because he's he is a hothead, like he's some sort of lord of the hell. Uh, it doesn't really land, and he does say, you're not thinking about marrying him after he did that to you. Right. It's Sandy, when Sandy goes to meet Teresa in this secret from Ryan moment, he is being lawyer and dad and uh-huh. uh, all-around good guy. We'll call him some sort of Browdicus Finch. I think that combines all of those character traits at the same time, and that's hard because you got to keep picking between, here's what I'm supposed to say, mm-hmm. here's what I want to say, and here's what I'm supposed to say as a dad as opposed to a lawyer. And it's because the kinds of questions she's asking that he's like, if you ask those questions, don't marry him, is if he does it again, what can I do? What's the worst thing that can happen to him? What's the lightest sentence he could get? And I'm torn two ways in this performance from Teresa, in the writing of Teresa, uh-huh. because she, like, this is not something that they've dealt with yet, and they should, right? We <laughs> should all figure out how to deal with, like, how to talk to a girl who is in a situation like Teresa's, where she is just walking around with a black guy. Right. And it's not like, what is the best concealer for your skin tone? It's, uh, I don't know how to talk to a victim, but I need to learn how. Right. And this episode is doing it. Teresa, on the meanwhile, is all of the TV cliches. Yeah. Of course it's happened before. She can't look anybody in the eye. She gives everything away with her face. And, and it's selling out the Teresa we've grown to know and love. She's tough. I don't think, and you can show a vulnerability, but I don't think it would make more sense that this is the first time. And she's trying to figure out. The Teresa I know, my buddy, if this was not the first time, is out. At one point, yeah, she says at the end, um, well, I guess I'll just take self-defense classes. The Teresa I remember would have grabbed his arm, and you know how you like 
You push the elbow backwards. Yeah. Armbar that shit. Yeah. With the other hand, her keys are Wolverine and just stabbing him in his throat. Armbar rebar. That's what you do. The whole armbar rebar. Yeah. That's horrifying. That's my nightmare. But I do I do think one of the things that Sandy nails is when she says, look, it's complicated because that's everybody's answer for everything. Sure. He does seem understanding of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is hard for her to just pick up and change her life. It's Yeah. This is difficult. And she calls Ryan out because he's like... Well, just leave. She's like, oh, just get a rich fucking family to adopt me and throw me in the pool house? I have advice for everyone whose life I think isn't that great. But if you, Dane, if you dare to give me advice about how my life is great, I will fucking scream. It's complicated as I slap you in the face as hard as I can. What I don't like is anytime I'm like, what's your favorite Alec Baldwin movie? That's also your action. Fuck you, dude. You scream complicated and slap me in the face. Teresa freaks out because Marissa and Ryan are having a good old time at the bakery that mm. she happens to be catering for. Now, is that how much of that freak out is because I specifically did not want to tell Ryan about my black eye because I know what happens. And then how much of it is, oh, look who got back together once I left town. I think 2% that and 98%. Oh, it's sin- mostly her abusive relationship yeah, that she's I'm concerned with? Because how we left it, and I believed them, even though there was some simmering romance between them and this one, uh, was... We were both just lost and did each other as kids, but this isn't what we want, even if we were in the same place. Uh, but yeah, she's like, I guess Sandy told you anyway. And Ryan's like, what? And I think that if you're coming from Teresa's position, a position I have never been in and yet feel totally fine to speak about, I don't think you look at Ryan and see a better, different world. I think you do see Eddie as well. Oh, you, you see know? the Eddie and Ryan? Yeah, like, oh, this is a guy who will fly off at the handle about anything. Well, when will that be my turn? He steals her phone. Yeah, at a takes it right point. out of her hands. Uh, not okay. And then, yeah, yelling at he, and I get he's not yelling at her, he's yelling at Eddie, but he's yelling at her when he's saying, what, you're saying this isn't the first time. It's, he reacts so poorly. It's not great. They should have kept it from Ryan. And again, I'm not defending Eddie here. I shouldn't even have to say that, mm-hmm. but I am defending Teresa. Like, he, Teresa has a lot of decisions to make that are not black and white. Ryan only sees in black and white. Right. Like, that's his big Achilles heel. And just comes off like an asshole this entire time. The whole time. Like, he knows best. He's stealing Marissa's car to drive to Chino. Seth, queen narcissist Seth, is being like, don't go to Chino. This is bad for everybody. Seth comes out pretty good in this episode after he comes out horrified. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to Seth in a minute, but... But in dealing with Ryan, he comes out fucking great because Ryan... He, he tries to get Ryan not to go to Chino. Ryan starts to and turns around, but when they... Ryan tries to apologize to Seth, and Seth keeps saying... Don't talk to me. Talk to your goddamn girlfriend. All I need for you right now is for you to talk to me. And again, we'll get this get to this later, but I'm in bed holding a plastic horse. Crying. This is all I need. But no, don't talk to me. And I think that this is Seth proves that he loves Ryan constantly by saying, I love you, Ryan. Uh-huh. That's how Seth do. But I think that Ryan sort of, to us, the viewer, maybe not to Seth the character, proves that he loves Seth because when Seth, when like you, Ryan can beat all the levels, all the bad guys, of mm-hmm. uh, reason. But when Seth says, "Hey man, stop," Ryan freaks the fuck out because right. he knows he's hit that wall. Because he's used to sidekick. So, Tails doesn't tell Sonic to stop. Tails says, "Run faster." And Ryan's instinct is to say, "Fuck you, dude." But his like back of the brain says, mm-hmm. "Oh fuck." When Seth tells me to stop, I actually think that's I a big deal. Check myself because I'm about to wreck somebody else. I, I I think as much as Ryan respects Sandy, if Sandy had said, if it was just Sandy who said, "Don't go to Chino." I don't know if he would have gone to Teresa's hotel instead of Chino to confront right. Eddie, but it was Seth grabbing his arm. Sandy's and, still a, an adult. 
Right. That's why. And, and Ryan has that like red-eyed Mr. Hyde reaction to Seth when Seth says, don't go, I'm holding your arm. Ryan says, get off of me. And I think that's the those are the things that like send him into the shame spiral at night. If For sure. Ryan Atwood is capable of a shame spiral. Well, he just starts doing burpees, and then that goes away. <laughs> No and burpees shame. is when you burp little burps for like just an hour straight. Little burps. And he goes, oh, how adorable. And oh he falls God. asleep. Did you guys hear that burp? It's a dreamland. Uh, before we move off of Teresa, a great moment is uh, Marissa walks in and sees Teresa, and she's surprised by that. Uh, this is post everybody knows what's going on, but she Marissa's still edgy about Teresa and instantly invites her to the shower. And Marissa is fucking with the shower in a lot of ways uh, because she hates her mom. But this fucking is- with. Uh, Juku shower, yeah. not with Ryan's shower. No, no, no. He, she's like, yeah, he likes it a little cold. That's fine. He needs to wake up in the morning. She, uh, but she invites Teresa instantly because I think Marissa, de- no matter what emotions seeing Teresa puts her through, she goes, this person needs me. It was an awesome Marissa moment. We talk shit a lot on Misha Barton's performance, but the difference between her walking in and seeing Marissa, at, or I'm sorry, uh, Teresa at, was it Seder or some family dinner? Uh-huh. And being like very awkward. As opposed to this episode, which was full of confidence. Like, well, that sucks. I prefer, you know, lesser ex-girlfriends right. than more ex-girlfriends. But that's this sucks. But you know what? Here we go. And I, I feel like even her giving the dress to Teresa was like uh-huh. fake. I'm going to fight this my way through this. This is what I should do. But now I feel like that she is pretty confident about it. And she w- you watched it all go on her face. Mm-hmm. It was Misha Barton's best. It, yes, for sure. Uh, but I think that, that closes the Teresa saga when we end. She is... Ryan's moving up into an air mattress in Seth's room because they only have two bedrooms in this house. Uh huh. This fucking mansion. Well, I mean, the way that Sandy does, he's got his pool room and his dart room. That's true. And his billiards room, uh, which is different than the pool room. It's uncouth for a gentleman's games to share a room. And uh, then the shuffleboard room, which oh. is actual legit outside shuffleboard. Mm-hmm. That's two rooms. They had to knock out a wall. It's crazy. Summer curling. Summer curling, <laughs> which is something Seth and her do, but. Teresa's moving to the pool house, and that's where we at with her. But I still think that, based on just this one episode, if Teresa moves in, everything will be fine, Mike. I think everything, everything will, will be, be fine. fine. When we come back, we're going to dig into Seth and Summer and their goings-on. Ryan! Michael? Seth has never met Mr. Summer. In high school, when... And how did you interact with the girlfriend's fathers? I was thinking about this a lot. And I think that I have a terrible relationship with, or I did for a long time, have a terrible relationship with my wife's parents. And the girlfriend before my wife and the girlfriend before my wife. And I can't remember if that's because I had a long history of terrible, I have a terrible relationship as like they think I'm just vanilla. Mm -hmm. Right? They have no idea who I am. And I can't remember if that's because before that, I had a terrible relationship because I was too much me or it was because I saw this episode. Uh-huh. And is this the officiest this show gets? It was cringy. It was it was very hard to watch. Summer Seth and Summer's dad. Mr. Roberts. Go to one of, you know, those Newport fancy Newport. clubs. This is definitely like the Balboa Bay Club. So before Seth even meets Mr. Roberts, and after he, uh, Summer says she'll bring the Margs. And when you say Mr. Roberts, do you mean the Henry Fonda movie with Jack Lemmon? Uh, I always do. Okay. The Henry Fonda movie with Jack Lemmon. Is that the credits? It I says think it's a John Ford goes, movie. Jack Lemmon. I'm trying to make up for the whole Joseph Conrad, Joseph Heller thing. 
So now I'm just going to be shouting out random facts. Look at other things I know. (laughs) Uh, Before Seth even gets to meet Mr. Roberts, Summer starts uh, quizzing him like, uh, don't order beef. He thinks vegetables are gay. Or vegetables are effeminate. And Seth says, and I quote, celery's gay. Got it. And normally I'd be like, fuck Seth. But I do think he's making fun of her dad there. Okay. So you would say minty and not minty? It might be minty, not minty. It's still weird to hear that word casually thrown out without it being a very special episode. Vegetables? Okay. Okay. Uh, as Yeah, as an insult. But the, everybody is telling Seth how bad he'll do. I will say this. I have seen a couple episodes of Veggie Tales, and there ain't nothing gay about that shit, and I do not mean that as a compliment. Uh, he's not supposed to be sarcasm, and even Ryan's like, sarcasm is your breathing. Uh-huh. And Seth's like, yes. Yes, it is, but he thinks it's a sign of weakness because Seth is a weak man. He's a weak man, Ryan. Much like Ross Geller. Some sort of Ross Geller, that Hamade Ardillo. It's funny because you have had plenty of uh, interactions with the Mr. Roberts of your love oh, life, yeah. right? Yeah. And for me, it's 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 your mom. Your mom is the one. <laughs> your like, mom is Mr. Roberts. Your mom is the one who was like, what are you, a fucking Democrat? It's like, oh, no, oh, I hate vegetables. Yeah, thinking... Uh, I had a great relationship with my first girlfriend's dad and her parents in general. They were awesome. They're the kind of parents who their kids, we'd, we'd all be going to the movies and be like, do you have money? Do you have money to their kids? And they'd ask it to me and I'd be like, yeah. And her dad pulled me aside. I thought I was going to get like some weird talk to do like, don't finger banger. Uh, and instead he went, never say no when I say, do you have money? Or never say yes. I will give you money. And I went, okay. And so I thought I would always be the bestest of pals. They're the kind of parents who were like, uh, you know what, dude? Condoms are the worst, and they would inject all of you with HIV. Yeah. So, like, why even worry about it now, bros? They were pranksters. Yeah. They were the kind of parents who were like, just drink at our house. We like to watch teens get shit-faced. They're the kind of parents who would, like, say, what are these, stairs? Not without a boogie board, and then slide all the way down. They're the kind of parents who would be like, if you put a knife, uh, dry ice in our pool, you could try to ice skate on it. They're the kind of parents who would, like, be so cool... Uh, outside of the bedroom, but in the bedroom, just scream and throw wine glasses at each other. And that's what got them off. And that's how I still get off. Oh, sure. I don't want to throw gl- wine glasses. They're expensive. It's like $6 for two. But if that's what makes you orgasm, mm-hmm. go for it for sure. Uh, they're the kind of parents that were like, cocaine is cheap. Chop up rock candy. It does something. <laughs> oh, a little bit of fiddle faddle? What's it called? Oh, jingle fi- jangle. Fizzle rocks. Fizzle, fizzle rocks ro- or jingle jangle. Pick fizzle rocks is meth. Jingle Jangle is cocaine. Oh, okay. So lower class. So why don't you shut the fuck? Yes. Fizzle Uh, Rocks are from Riverside. They were the kind of parents who would, if we were upstairs, her dad would be like, I'm going to go check on the kids. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Because nobody wants to walk into kids not knowing how to fuck. Make sure my daughter puts her bra back on. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because I only want to see my daughter fucking with a bra on. (laughs) Yeah, it's real TV fucking. (laughs) So. uh, That was TGIF's catchphrase. (laughs) Uncle Joey always said it, and it was creepy because he would just be staring at Kimmy Gibbler while he said it. With that little woodchuck on his hand. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, <laughs> this is TV fucking. <laughs> Did I need that? Uh, and then, yeah, I've had a poor relationship with every father since. Yeah, uh, me too. A lot Beca- of them. Be- the Seth thing. So, yes, I think both. Oh, you, you want to talk about the OC? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the OC. The, let's not dig into therapy right now. The Seth thing, he over out. And you and I, whether we saw this or we instinctively knew, nobody will like our real personalities. I've dated people for years, and like you just said, it's vanilla. Is you are a black hole of a personality because you're like, if I show a little bit of skin, you will loathe me. You have seen me at my worst. You yep. know when people say, you know, I hate that Ryan guy. You're like, yeah, 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 I get it, totally. 
And you have also seen me at my most vanilla. Uh-huh. Which do you prefer? Your worst. <laughs> Wait, I love being on a Which worst is the worst? Well, yeah, your worst to other people is my favorite. <laughs> I, when you're that's vanilla, for your own kicks. When you're vanilla, I just want to fucking punch you in the gut. And so does everybody, right? Like that, it's the worst decision is just to be vanilla. And I do think this episode messed with me. It's the Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott quote: "You miss every shot you don't take." Quote Wayne Gretzky. Quote Michael Scott. <laughs> yes, it's because at least let them hate the real you. Don't let them hate the fake you. That's nothing. Here's the thing: I think that I've run into a lot of dads of girlfriends that were very, very conservative. And Mm -hmm. that's hard. Yes. But when they weren't, I was still that, like, quiet, shelled-up douchebag or very, very open. Uh There has to be a middle ground there, there right? There should be a middle ground. Yeah, don't treat the dads like you treat me because you're mean to me. Fuck you! But don't treat them like you're nothing. Okay, let's talk about Summer real quick because I want to explain Seth's reaction. Summer says the perfect thing just before the date. She says... My dad loves me, and I like you. Didn't say love, but said like. So I'm sure that it will be fine. That should be the most calming agent yes. there is. After the date goes terribly, Summer dumps Seth. Oh, yeah. So I don't understand why Seth went so wrong, went so rogue, went so nerd rogue after Summer told him that. But also, Summer breaking up with him afterwards is probably the worst, shittiest thing that Summer has done since Ever. No, yeah. since the well, enti- since, for the entire season. Since she, how she used to treat him before the season started. Eighth grade. It was, he, he won't stop talking. And he's like, do you like comics? And his dad goes, no. So he starts, this is my comics connection, starts listing off comics he could like. And gets into detail why Sin City is different than Alan Moore. Shut the fuck. I, it was cringe-inducing. Because that is the, it's been a long time since I've actually felt like Seth. So I don't do it to... Uh, uh, girlfriend's dads, but I've done it to like bosses. Like, don't do that right now. My comics connection, if I may, right now would be that Aunt Cindy was the voice of Black Cat in the PS2 game Spider Man 2. Oh, shit. Which was at one point known as the best Spider Man video game of all time until PS4 Spider Man. Until four months ago? Yeah. But Aunt Cindy was the voice of Black Cat. But right now, do you know what Seth says? Huh? Seth says to, and this is lost on Mr. Roberts, but it was not lost on me. Brian Michael Bendis is is as if Stan Lee met Alan Moore. And I would just like to say, Brian Michael Bendis is my favorite comic author of all time. I don't know if I could ever say that about him. Mm -hmm. But congrats to Brian Michael Bendis for being mentioned on TV. In 03. In 03 and being said, Stan Lee meets Alan Moore. That's Yeah, somebody... They had one, the writer's PA was actually into comics. They went, give us names, say something about comics right now. And what's great is back then, Brian Michael Bendis was kind of chubby. And if you cram Stan Lee and Alan Moore together, it's s'more. So <laughs> that all, it all checks out. And that hurtful comment, and he took it only as an insult like most nerds do, is why he went on to do some of his greatest work later. Also, this is one of the other things why TV ruins me. And this happens in a lot of the things I like. Definitely Seth here. Or I think that Jim Halpert is definitely capable of it. Mm-hmm. The TV versions of Paul Rudd, you know, because Paul Rudd in the movies is like Paul Rudd from Wet Hot. Uh-huh. But there is this Paul Rudd type where if you just keep talking, you'll save the situation. But that's not true. Not true. And I have been in that situation a lot. This podcast, for instance. Yeah, you won't shut up and everybody hates Wait, what are you it. talking about? I don't, I, I'll me. shut up whenever you want. Yeah, it was hard to watch. And then, yeah, Summer goes out of her way to just not talk to him at the shower. 
And then he says one of the cruelest things he could say, and I'm still on his side, is, you're avoiding me. That's okay. Kind of like it. Throw it back to eighth grade. And everybody knows what that means, and it's so hurtful for everybody. It's, oh, uh. Don't you think at this point, though, and we'll get to Aunt Cindy at some point, that eighth grade insults are not that hurtful? They shouldn't be that hurtful, but because they had just talked about how they how they interacted in the past, but it's it, specifically hurtful to them. It's Seth's confidence, though, and I do actually back up Seth on everything here. It's Seth's confidence in saying, "Well, yeah, okay, he didn't like me. Maybe next time he will." But you and I like each other, and that's all that matters. Seth wisdom turns out, yeah, this is Seth wisdom. Turns out that's not what not matters. True. Seth, not true at all. And Summer spends half an episode trying to tell him that, oh, my dad didn't like you. Therefore, I don't like y'all. Therefore, I'm out because I like to tell my dad how I'm bringing Margs and I can't have him shaking his head at me. Do you have an over-under on how many episodes Summer will continue to not like Seth? One. I'll take the under. (laughs) You'll take the under? (laughs) The first minute she goes, I lied! Or they just wipe away this? Ryan, I think we've concluded Seth and Summer. It's so weird to have... 25 episodes of the show of us hating Seth and finally being like, we're on Seth's side. But not totally. I mean, he did say vegetables are gay. We can't yeah, back that up. Can't. I still think he was making fun he, of her dad. He was trying to get in that zone. And that's one of the things I was talking about is there's dads that you're awkward around because they're your girlfriend's dad. Hey, I'm having sex with your mm-hmm. daughter. What do you think this conversation is going to be like? And then the Don't open with that. <laughs> and I think that... Mr. Roberts uh-huh. was not so bad conservative. Maybe this is 2018 me talking where uh-huh. I've seen average conservative right. be like, so build that wall, lock her up. Oh, I don't know where to go from here, sir. I hate this that is doll. a weird conversation. You just pull that string. It just says that over and over again. Also, but- this is Summer. If she hadn't said anything to Seth, he would have been better. He often said parents like me better than daughters like me, which is a legit funny thing to say. Uh, I liked that confidence. And then she did help destroy it. And he got nervous. The other thing, too, is that um, all TV dads are gigantic and looming. Mm-hmm. Like, leave a huge shadow, literally and figuratively. And Mr. Roberts does. Like, he's a big guy. Yeah. He gets bigger, as we'll see oh, yeah? as the seasons go on. But he's a big guy. Remember, the average height of the American male is 5'8". So there's a really good chance that you're taller than yes. your girlfriend's dad. And that, I think, is a lot. That's going to help you out a lot. Height. 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 When we come back, we're going to talk about Marissa and Kirsten? Yeah, let's do it. So Marissa and Kirsten have been tapped to plan the wedding shower that day or the next day. Kirsten because she finds out she's the maid of honor. And Marissa because Caleb blackmails into her helping planet. Which is typical OC style. Typical OC. I mean, that's, that's normal. But the first one I think is more important, going back to how we planned our weddings, is Julie walks in and says, you're going to do this. Kirsten's like, I can't. And Julie's like, eh, you're going to do this. And that's it. That's just how that's all wedding decisions said. are planned. I demanded a Cirque du Soleil troupe. And you went, nobody has that time or money. And I went, you're going to do this. And I learned how to Cirque du Soleil. You, and trained my groomsmen to be the rest. And by groomsmen, you mean the people who made me look good. Yes. I got groomed. Well, if you're going to Cirque du Soleil, you're going to look so fuckable. I made my hair brushed. I made my hair combed. I made my hair ribboned. Both brushed, combed, and ribboned? Yeah. I did the CBR. And then a perm to ruin it all. I got... <laughs> is that the Lord of the Rings thing? Sure. One perm to ruin it all. <laughs> that was definitely the 80s thing. Yes, Mike. It was the 80s thing. 
And then Kirsten points out while they're planning, and Kirsten and Mercer are having a delightful time getting to know each other because they do love each other as neighbors. That no one from Julie's family is invited. Now we already talked about Marissa being a great actress when she is reacting to to Teresa in uh-huh. different ways. But can I also point out that Please. she goes in and sees her mom, and when she decides to plan out this wedding shower, there's always she says, "Well, all I want to do is get back at her." Like <laughs> it's the most matter of fact. It's also thing. the most Julie thing Marissa's ever yeah. said. She is the 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 apple does not fall from the far from the tree. And then when she walks into Kirsten's planning party and sees her mom there, um, Marissa or Julie says, oh, "I'm so glad you stopped by." And Marissa makes a point to say, "I stopped by to help Kirsten, Kirsten. and Kirsten alone. You fucking yeah. orange haired dyed Riverside bitch." And then Julie leaves in a huff. Yeah. And Kirsten says, nobody from her family's here. And Mercer went, there's always. <laughs> My way. Aunt Cindy. And then she turns <laughs> off all the lights and Aunt Cindy is hanging, hanging from the ceiling. from the goddamn ceiling while all the pictures stretch. That's an Anaheim joke. And I'm sorry if you just think Anaheim is a fucking punchline. But look, Mike who, and I were raised. Who shits on Anaheim? That made me infuriated. Oh, man. They mentioned Anaheim. And they the way that they talk about Anaheim in this episode, and I think it's Kirsten. Yeah. Queen of the Woke. Who talks about Anaheim as if it's worse than fucking Chino. She still calls it Anna Crime in Unmixed Company. Little local ref. Now, Mike, I'm sorry, but do I... Are, is this show terrible at knowing what the OC cities are like? Yes. Or did I just grow up in a way where Anaheim didn't seem so bad to me? Anaheim is... It has its bad parts. It has its good parts. Disneyland. It has a... The biggest theme park in the world. California Adventure. It has two of its own sports teams. Anaheim feels like they picked a city at random. Yeah, they didn't say Garden Grove. Well, I mean, next season, that's what they do. Really? Yeah, they have Chino versus Garden Grove gang crime next season. Those are so far away. Their gangs would never interact. That's stupid. (laughs) Also, they have no gangs. Yeah, Chino and Corona are at least next to each other. They'd meet at the hardcore shows at the sideshow. Well, everybody from Chino is always next to a Corona, as Dom Toretto. As that they're in full cosplay, uh-huh. just talking about family. I said ask Dom Toretto, but now from now on, <laughs> I'm going to do everything as Dom Toretto. Brian. <laughs> so Marissa, Brian. <laughs> Marissa invites Aunt Cindy, who I think they named her Cindy. Then went, can we make her exactly like Cindy Lauper? I mean, she is a dead on ringer for Cindy Lauper, right? What else would you call She's her? Not- She's not Cindy Lauper. She's not Cindy Lauper at all. Fun fact about this episode of the OC: Cindy is not played by Cindy Lauper. Although, does believe that girls just want to have fun, at least with the eighth grade full lineback team. Okay. Aunt Cindy is more Riverside than anybody we've ever met, and I think that it's hard at this point. Can we admit at this point it's hard to get Kirsten to be judgmental? It's hard. It's hard to get Kirsten to go full full noopsie. But after like what well, it seems like thirty minutes of Cindy conversations, she's like, "Wow, wow, well, wow." Cindy lights up in her house, uh-huh. and she, also Kirsten's a coward and doesn't say, "Don't, Don't smoke, smoke in, in my, my house. house." You have eight tables outside. You could finish this hangout outside. <laughs> but Cindy's just talking about who's peeing on what and when while smoking <laughs> indoors like a fucking trash person. Cindy's like, "I w- walked straight up to George Herbert Walker Bush. Who is?" Dead now. And she was prescient. 
I farted. I pulled out my pants and I farted right in his face. And then I jammed, and he jammed his nose in my butthole. And then I shook it all around. And I was like, hokey pokey much? And Kirsten's like, hmm, quaint. And Cindy went, ha 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 ha. Cindy's Riverside. She Riverside is shit. To the point, like, it's offensive. To Riversideians? More, yes, more than anything they've said with Julian Riverside, this was an offensive portrayal. No, I'm friends with a lot of smokers because I only like gross people with gross habits. Uh-huh. And none of them smoke inside because they're not dirt people. That's or at least wait nasty. for an answer. Yeah. She does to cigarettes what most TV characters do with knocking. Like, this is just a little thing I do before I burst into your room. Wait for someone to say, no, no. don't smoke in my house. And then light up and flip them off an inch away from their face. Also, that's how Riverside do. You don't throw up far away middle fingers. You run all the way up to all the face. The way up. You want your finger to feel the heat of their forehead. Oh, that because they got a fever. That's how you let them know. <laughs> Go to the urgent care right now. And this, we've seen Kirsten get mad at her husband uh-huh. and her father. This is scary. This is like when grandma gets mad. It's so rare. She is mad at Marissa. Right. Because Kirsten does all the math because she's now met Aunt Cindy. And Julie goes, Cindy's here? And she just glares at Marissa, mostly because she had to sit through those stories. And says the single worst thing that Kirsten can ever say to anyone. Marissa, can I see you in the other room? Ah! Yeah, yeah. She went there. She said it. And then what's in the other room? Uh, The room where it happens. A conversation that does not happen because Aunt Cindy takes over and Marissa gets to bail before the conversation happens. Marissa, I'm out! (laughs) Oh, one of the saddest things anybody's ever said. This is in the intro. Marissa talks about how she's not good at standing up for herself. But she says it like it's a joke and then goes, let's play (laughs) Pac-Man. After laying that kind of truth bomb on Ryan. Well, I mean, she can already see Ryan's head start to tilt and eyes go elsewhere. He becomes that meme. She doesn't know that that's just how Benjamin McKenzie acts and everything. She doesn't know that at one point the commissioner of Gotham City will also treat every problem in that exact same way. So, yeah, he's a lot like, I don't know, like a Cocker Spaniel. So she has to say, "Mm, (laughs) Pac-Man... So that's Aunt Cindy. Jimmy and Sandy are going through losing the lighthouse. Cal has offered them two and a half million dollars. And Cal wisdom, a lot of people are throwing wisdom around, is a man in love should never do business. Okay. What do you think about that line? Cal is only gotten as far as he has because he is ruthless and shitty. Oh, he's playing them. Do he's you, saying that to win them over. Do you remember what happens? No. So you're just saying this based on this one episode. Clearly, Cal is fucking playing yeah, them. He he is trying to be like, I am human. Humans say this. But he's not. He's goddamn Dr. Doombot. Now, Jimmy doesn't give a shit. Jimmy no. probably knows and doesn't care because two and a half million dollars. Doesn't Jimmy owe all of that two and a half mil to other people? Yeah. There's some people who he's robbed. Nobody's three million. that up. Uh, but Sandy is like, well, I don't know. And he does the work. And it takes like a stepladder and two people that work outside of Home Depot uh-huh. to help him raise that eyebrow. But he does it. He gets the eyebrow all the way up. He's got big eyebrows. And oh. says, you know, this is weird for Caleb. If you were Caleb in this situation, and yes, Caleb is doing them dirty. Why don't you pay them what it's worth? And like maybe $100,000 over what it's worth and then have nobody up your asshole later. Yeah. Is it because he is happy? No, it's because he's a fucking moron, and we need drama for season two. We need drama for season two, trying to cook that. Zach's not going to carry all that drama on his back. Oh, my God, Zachary. Uh, but and Caleb raises his eyebrow, and then he is going through a thing, because Jimmy, the lighthouse was only an escape from his own misery. But for Sandy, he says, I wanted to be saved by meatloaf and dirty martinis, not this money. Right. 
And then J- this is my Jimmy's got a Jimmy. He's not he's not tracking what Sandy's going through at all. But it's the most on the nose Jimmy's ever been. He's actually very aware, but he doesn't know he's aware. He's like, you can do the work you love. You're gonna find some stray and help him out. Jimmy, Sandy's just thinking about Teresa and her issues. Listen to your friends talk. My Jimmy's got a Jimmy is of course how um he is pulling Haley's shirt off, uh-huh. and you can tell what's up next. And you can tell that Jimmy, when they're hooking up, has that one second of selflessness. And I think that I know what's going to happen. The pants are going to come off. Her pants are going to come off. And then Jimmy's going to eat world. That's oh, what I think is Jimmy's going on. Gonna Jimmy? Yeah, that's my Jimmy's got a Jimmy. Is that a Jimmy at world slash Dave Matthews band mashup joke? Mm-hmm. I got that skirt and show me that Jimmy at world to Look, me. You got your Beatles and Rolling Stones. I got Jimmy at world and Dave Matthews band. But no, let's have this talk that everybody loves. Beatles or Stones, bro. <laughs> Beatles or Stones. And my answer is always Dave Matthews band meets Jimmy Eat World. Jure Dimb, bro. Jure Dimb. <laughs> it sounds so racist. You know what? Let's take a break. Talk about how not racist all that was and how great. Uh, during the break. Not yes. for other people no, to listen no, to. No, we got to hash this out. So we sound edgy. And then we jump right into the shower. Ryan, so much goes down at the classy couple's wedding shower. Where do you even want to begin? Well, I think that we should begin. Let's get this shit out of the way that we've already talked about. Uh, my favorite moment of the wedding shower as far as children go. We already talked about Seth trying to stop Ryan. Right? Uh-huh. What a big moment that was. But my favorite moment as far as kids go is Teresa or Marissa takes a break. And Teresa says, what are you taking a break from people? I'll talk to you. And then now <laughs> they both have to deal with both of their shit. Bitch. And they have some shit outside the Venn diagram and in the middle of the Venn diagram to deal with. And then Ryan comes up and says in full classic knight in shining armor Ryan fashion, I was looking for you for both of you. Just so everyone's not pissed and everyone's yeah. pissed. Every let's all mm, but he thinks everybody will be not pissed, but it's just full Atwood foot in his mouth. I gotta say, the big shining firework moment is Aunt Cindy starting a drinking game uh-huh. of a Juku roast in the middle of the shower. And I think it went better than most end Real of roasts. Like most explosions at the end of OC episodes. It, it was let's dig into Aunt Cindy because she goes she, one, Cal and Julie are in the middle of the gift giving. Yes. Also, fuck weddings. You get your bridal shower. You get the engagement. Like, there's so many gifts. Right. How many fucking gifts? I still owe you gifts because it's a year out from your wedding. I owe you another gift. There's more gifts than a tumbler. I don't understand, and I refuse to acknowledge that. Uh, they're opening gifts, though, and doing the notepad. You got to write down who owes you what. At a point where this is not like the first cocktail hour. At a point where nobody needs something else going on. And Cindy looks around. Everybody's either watching them gifts or what I like is very politely not watching them open gifts, just having fun. And Cindy Notlopper says, let's play a game. How well do you know them? And then even though she hasn't even said more than one word in seven years, every answer says, no, you're wrong, person I don't know. And says stories like, one, she her favorite meal is a double-double, not salmon with sage or whatever. Okay, cool. She said, um, oh, what is it? It's the uh, the bass. The Chilean sea bass. Chilean sea bass, but you can find it every single restaurant in Newport. Even yeah. the In-N-Outs so, at Newport serve Chilean sea bass with baby carrots. Because basic bitches love Chilean sea yes. bass. Chilean sea bass with baby carrots. And this one girl who shouts out, who I don't think I've ever seen before. I don't know if she's an established character. She's she's one of the noobsies who don't have a name. Classic noobsie. No All name right. noobsie. So uh, she says, oh, I got it. With full confidence, 
Chilean sea bass with baby carrots. And then Cindy says, no. But, and no, before the no, Julie demurely smiles and goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Chilean sea bass. She gives you one of those classic sea bass smiles. <laughs> sea bass used to just be called white fish. It's a lie. Is that all that sea bass is? Sea bass just white fish. Was sea bass making up the fish sticks in my cake cuisine with the penguin with his hat on? Yeah, that's Chilean. That's un-Chilean sea bass. <laughs> un-Chilean. So they go to Chile, uh-huh. grab the sea bass, de-chili it. <laughs> de-chili it. That's just rip sticks. the poop out of it. Yep. And then make fish sticks out of it. But Cindy says, no, no, no. It's a double-double. With extra animal style. And then, okay. And Caleb, you look at Caleb. Caleb's like, ha, ha, ha. Burgers. Shower joke. I understand burgers. <laughs> he loves a good burger joke. And who doesn't? Right? Where have all of our burger joke comedians gone? Hamburger Jones? <laughs> Hamburger Are you Jones? Saying he hasn't toured we shall miss in you. forever. Hamburger Jones, if you guys don't know, for all you folks who weren't into like 1990s Comedy Central, Hamburger Jones would end a joke and let you know the joke was done by going, Hamburger! <laughs> and I like Hamburger Jones because if a joke failed, he would say... Uh oh, who needs two buns? And then show his Just butt. Shimmy, shimmy, butt. Yeah. Shimmy, shimmy, butt. And if you ever th- if you ever screamed out from the audience, oh, that's cheesy, he'd say, like a cheeseburger, hamburger Jones. And pull him back on his side. Hamburger. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, God, I forgot I love Hamburger Jones. Look, OCD heads, I know Ryan and I have a lot of goofs and make a lot of laughs. This is a real person. Look him up. We're not making up. Hamburger Jones is a real-ass comedian. If you join Patreon tonight and say, you know what, OCD's fine, but I want you to review all 16 of Hamburger Jones' albums, we'll, we'll fucking, fucking do, do it. it. We'll do a little you tangent. You can join to the $1 tier if you join today, the day this episode comes out. We're doing it. Hamburger Jones would, and this was crazy. If you were in the front row of a Hamburger Jones, uh, bring your smock. Bring your like. Oh, he introduced yeah. Gallagher to Gallagher because he would uh, he would have this mallet and he would look like he was about to explode a hamburger on the front row. But no, he would put the hamper or the mallet down, put a bun around the ham uh, the mallet, and then eat the mallet like <laughs> a hamburger. Hamburger. I have lost all control of my nouns, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. So I just get excited when we're talking about hamburger Joe. That's a pretty light joke that Cindy Lopper makes. So it, I'm the next joke. I'm sure will make one. Small leap from that for joke. Neil Armstrong. She says, "Who was Julie?" And none of hers are about Cal, which seems rude. They uh, are equal partners, in this. right? She says, "What was Julie's like crush?" And someone says, "Roy Orbison." I don't know what. What do they say? That's probably Roy Orbison. Nobody even says Bob Seger. <laughs> what was her childhood crush? And then she says, "No." Oh, it's uh, it's uh, Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield. Roy yes. Orbison. Buffalo Springfield. No, Rick. I'm telling you, I'm I'm using the words Rick Springfield. Who is that? That's the guy who, he was a soap opera actor, who was also, I think, the lead singer of the Cars. Mm. Producer Dave, look this up. No, that's Rick Ocasek. Rick Springfield had a song. He was a one-hit wonder. Yeah, I I know he was a song. (laughs) Do you? Good. All right. But no, that's not the answer, Mike. What is the actual answer? The entire eighth grade defensive line team sports. So I have a lot of problems with this. A defensive line is typically three to four people. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. You can choose. The coach can do to do, choose to do a 3-4 or a 4-3. So the eighth grade defensive line is either three or four eighth graders. Did Julie get banged out in eighth grade well, also, or sixth grade or twelfth grade? By oh, yeah. Three was or Cindy, four did Cindy Lauper know her penchant for young men? And it was last year. What the? But like the entire eighth grade. It, my problem is. I think it was a gangbang joke. Sure. But I get it when you say the entire varsity. High school right. varsity defensive line. 
That's what every girl goes through. That's what every boy goes through. Yeah. We all did that in high school. They work out a lot. But the entire eighth grade defensive line, what the fuck? Yeah. Aunt Cindy. Hey, writers, what were you doing? Not Aunt Cindy, writers of the OC. What are you doing here? You don't, you don't think that was an uh, improv line by Aunt Cindy Notlopper? But then, so she had, Julie says, I'm not going to stand for this at my wedding shower and storms out, as she should have. People should have bum-rushed, like Def Jam hooked her off, like yes. torn in. Oh, always just bring went, a hook to everything. There's nothing we can do. It's weird how every other party ends in a fist fight, but I don't know what to do here. You and I were both, to each other, the most perfect best men in wedding history. Mm-hmm. But the one failure that we had was not bringing that hook to each not, other's weddings. And we both needed it. <laughs> nope. Other people than us that are lesser than us, needed it because that hook needs to be there. Get yes. that fucking person off the stage. Because sometimes you just have to slam it under the ground, and that chills people out. But <laughs> Julie runs away. And I'm not looking for a, like a scene-making thing. I just want to chill people out a little and bit. And Cindy Notlopper goes, oh, crap. And mean, looks sincere. Like, her plan wasn't to fuck up the wedding. And so Shall I want to see in a Riverside wedding what happens. Like, that was only the second joke. So and she's like, "What? Everybody's leaving on the second joke." Was she about the the most heartfelt, tear-filled "I love you" speech? Jesse's girl, Rick Springfield saying Jesse's girl. What is a Riverside wedding where Aunt Cindy is like on her tenth joke? What is her tenth joke? If yeah, if gangbang eighth graders is joke two, (laughs) where does it go from here? Are you sucking puppies' dicks (laughs) until you die? So that's the the ballad of Aunt Cindy. No, no, no. It ends more because she finds Julie, and then she's just like, you know, I just miss you. And Julie like hugs her. One, Julie wouldn't do that. Two, fuck you, Cindy, not Lopper. Fuck you. Oh no, yeah, I love a good sister on sister hug, but this was crossing a line, Aunt Cindy. And to make Julie Cooper think that you cross a line, you have crossed a line. But Caleb does his thing. Where he waits upstairs for the perfect moment. He was up there for two and a half Just hours. listening. And then he walks downstairs and says, well, of course you'll be invited to the wedding. And so all three of them make up. <laughs> but yeah, it's and she's like, those people aren't your friends. You don't know her. You haven't known her for 14 years. You're not allowed to say these kinds of things. And yet, I think that we should separate between I'm butthurt that you've left, uh-huh. right? That you left me in Riverside. And also, I'm going to tell all 200 of the people at your wedding shower you gang banged an eighth grade defensive line. And then be like, oh no, did I mess up? <laughs> what was that me? But it did Cal also, the most human Cal has been, is he's like, Did you think I would be upset by hearing you lug hamburgers? Yeah, because at this point we know that Cal we're pretty sure that Cal knows that she fucked Luke. Luke. Do we think that? Yeah. No, he- her face. Because he, Cal says, there's nothing I could learn about you that would make me walk away. And then Julie's face is just like full on General Hospital. Because we haven't found out yet that Julie starred in a porno movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she absolutely did. Also, uh, we don't know if Cal is telling the truth or not. Because Marissa is about to, this is one or two episodes ago, about to tell Cal, uh, she fucked my high school boyfriend. Uh-huh. And Cal stops her and says, I know everything. And is he saying that because he really does? Or... I don't want to hear anything. La, la, la. Please don't tell me anything. Yeah, just saying, he's got to always seem in control of the room. So I say I know everything. That people are like, sir, that'll be 345. I know everything. Yeah, ev- this is why you've been kicked out of every college class you've ever been in. <laughs> I know everything. All right, please leave. <laughs> Get out of here. You don't go here. You don't even <laughs> go here. Other things that happen in the shower. I think a sweet moment that went by very quick is short-haired noopsie 
says something to Julie and Kirsten in the beginning of the shower that's so noopsy and embarrassing. And even though Kirsten doesn't want to be the maid of honor, doesn't want Julie to be her best friend, they share a look that it, they are closer than they are to any other noopsy. They are actually each other's best friends, even though one of them hates that fact. But they do have a kinship. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you don't get to you don't get to pick your family, and sometimes you don't get to pick your friend. Like, nope. <laughs> I don't want to dig into that. Um, a lot of times you just know so much about each other that a look will seal it all, and uh-huh. they really do. Like, it doesn't matter that sure, uh, Julie has to. Uh, bend over often and get spanked with magazines that feature Caleb's face on it in the mm-hmm. bedroom. Mm-hmm. Her and Kirsten are best friends. Correct. Despite that horrifying thing you just said. How many times have you been spanked uh, with a magazine with my face on it? Seven. That's not that bad. Yeah. I think, I think that's a normal amount. If we were doing over-under, that's way under than what people would assume. I think people would have said seven and you wouldn't have known how to bet. They were, Even though it's your butt. They were all on my wedding night. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, no, no. I don't mean spanking like one whack. A spanking is a session. Yeah. Seven different sessions. Oh, yeah. We went all night <laughs> with a spanking session. So it goes spanking lemonade. That's how you break up a session. Yeah. One single lemonade mm-hmm. that you share. Spanking lemonade. Listen to Beyonce's lemonade. Yes. You share, an, you, you share a listening of an album. <laughs> Aren't we adorable? Before we move on from the shower. I hate that this episode has revealed more about the two of us than any of the characters in the show we're talking about. Bad episode? Yes. Of the OC. Never of the OCD. Kirsten obviously does not like Jimmy and Haley getting together. Mm-hmm. And to deal with it, Jimmy goes, ha, 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 we're all fine. This is how Jimmy's got a Jimmy. Because he says, look, Kirsten, I know that you're jealous or whatever. I know that we hooked up before. No, Kirsten says that. No, Kirsten, Kirsten says, fucks up here. it's not jealousy. I just don't want to see my friend make a terrible mistake. This is what Haley does. She tricks people. Bitch. Who? Haley or Kirsten is a bitch because... I don't think... I think Haley is all in on Jimmy. Kirsten has no faith in her sister. Right. Or her ex-boyfriend. Right. But I do believe them more than I believe Kirsten, the person I believe the most in my life, when they, when they say, actually, you know what? We're, we'll be fine, Kirsten. Why don't you step back a little bit? I think this episode shows Kirsten at her highest and lowest. Highest with giving advice to Sandy, lowest in this moment. Because she cannot let that these people grow. And she says it's not jealousy. Yes, it is. Yeah. When you saw them kissing, you weren't like, here's all the things that might go wrong. You were pissed he was into anybody else. She's lived her entire life thinking that she has two supporting characters. That they're like Jimmy and Haley have only existed to support her. In drama and good and bad. I only have the one. Who? Oh, some guy you've never met. Producer Dave? Yeah, it's producer Dave. And then, just staying on Kirsten, one of the best wrap-up lines, she says, her and Sandy are like in bed talking. She's like, have you noticed nothing ever good happens at our parties? Which is the most, uh, closest the TV show characters have been like, are we on TV? Yeah. I would say this got more meta than the Kool-Aid Man's fourth commercial. I don't understand. That would when he broke through his fourth wall in that commercial. Yeah. Let's have this conversation off air. Let's do it. Just like the racism, let's deal with it off air. Ryan, do you have any outstanding awards? Um, Yeah, I have so many. I have you too. Uh, first of all, I just want to point out that it was a rough day for Seth. Yes. That was, I mean, like, he got dumped and by two people in one day. Who double dumped? I, I want to, Summer and Ryan. Ryan dumped him? They both, yeah. They both screamed at him. They both broke his heart. 
So when he was patting Captain Oates, that was great. Uh, I do want to point out um, Knott's Berry Farm, got to mention. Oh, I don't even want to tell you about what happened at Knott's Berry Farm. That's what Aunt Cindy said about Cindy and about uh, Juku. Uh, Sandy comes home from surfing, and he was like, oh, yeah, I couldn't sleep, so I wanted to get some four-footers that kicked my ass. Do you know? Is that good? Or four-footers? I, I don't surf. I think those are Orange County big, but not like... Not real big? Yeah, I think that like... It's no Mavericks. If you're in Hawaii, it's like nine-footers. Uh-huh. But I think that four-footers might yeah. kick Sandy's ass. Yeah, I mean, he, he tried, They would destroy us. still got dad bod. And then um, I do want to point out the fact that when... Uh, in the first act, when Kirsten and Sandy are talking about Teresa, Ryan walks in, and they are the worst fucking liars I have ever seen in my entire life. Worse than Jimmy and Haley when Marissa walks in? Worse than that. Uh, musical moment goes to South for Nine Lives, which totally covers the back half of the episode. Just the whole back half? Yeah, like the, it, it's a really good song. No, it's not a good song. Describe it a little. Nine lives are nine lives are nine lives. I don't remember, but that's the musical moment. Uh, Sandy Wisdom, I'm going to give to the whole pool house scene. I love how he bounces back and forth between dad, lawyer, friend, dad, lawyer, friend. My Sandy Wisdom is a different Kiki moment. I said it was earlier. It's this one. It was her dealing with Marissa at the end. And Marissa and her have arced because Kiki's been mad. Now they're making up. Is Marissa sees Ryan and Teresa. And Kiki says to Marissa, he loves you. Make room for her to be in his life. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. And I was like, ah! All right. So from now on, we're doing a Sandy moment. Sandy Wisdom and a Kirsten moment. Also... OC What's Up moment. That goes to Knott's Berry Farm. That's a new award. Explain what that... Explain... That was a new thing. Say oh, you mentioned OC. You, you mentioned OC. You mentioned was, the real OC. There's no reason to talk about Knott's Berry Farm other than to prove the fact that you uh, this show takes place in the OC. So, uh, What's Up OC goes to Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, Orange Couture, I think, was when Seth said... He was doing the math of all the family. They said, uh-huh. oh, my grandma wears Uggs. I think that's a good time that to is. like... That's a way to place... Girls from the OC at that time. Uh, Comics Connection we talked about. Jimmy, we got a Jimmy we talked about. And then why don't you pour another one? Kirsten goes to the moment where Kirsten almost literally says, why don't you pour another one? Because she's at the shower and can barely take any of this. Gotcha. That's the show. Those are the awards. I win. Oh, you do? I win all the awards. This is 56 in a row. Thank you to the Holophonics for your wonderful music. Ryan, website. Website is, of course, yourpotfilter.com. Go there if you like articles that are not for Patreon payers. And all of our podcasts, I guess, you can get there for free still until we make those Patreon only. Funny you should bring up Patreon, Ryan. Patreon.com slash yourpotfilter is where you can go if you really love us and want to support us. Pick a tier... A dollar amount a month goes a long way for us, so we don't starve and don't fall back on our own child support. And we, we want to do be Jimmy's. We're looking for five dollars a month; would be perfect. That'd be great. You're part of the Filterino Army. You get all kinds of bonus shows, extra articles, just a lot of tent. And next week we are setting a tier where, if we get there, all the Patreon members get to uh, force something upon us with pop culture. Sure. Now that's set in stone. It that is set in half-baked stone. half-baked meeting is now on air. <laughs> I love that. What? It, how, how could they get more of these shows and other shows we do? Well, Mike, we're almost doing a show a day. Almost. It's crazy what we're doing. OCD obviously comes out on Thursdays. But if you're like, I'm sort of more of a Friday late night, 
person, then you should listen to Superhero Hour Hour, where Taylor takes me and Mike and Greg through the journey of every single TV show based on the comic book. If you're a Monday person, you go to Movie of the Year, where we have already decided what the best movie of 99 is, 2004 is, the best holiday movie coming up soon, and we're about to decide what is the best movie of 2018. <gasps> That's this year. Is it a Transformers movie? Probably not, Mike. Nope, Bumblebee comes out next year. Nope, that's this year. year. Oh, shit. It looks good. And then, of course, there every fourth Tuesday is Taylor Talking Taylor. Yeah, don't listen to that one. But subscribe, rate, and review all of those. Please hit us up on the Twitter at Your Pop Filter. It's a lot of fun, and you can talk directly to us. What are other ways they can get in touch? You can email us, contact at yourpotfilter.com. Email us about what you thought about this to, uh, this night's episode of the OCD. If you thought that this episode was too Julie heavy, which I do not think, or if you thought Julie was too heavy, I do not think that as well, then email us and we will discuss it on air. Contact at yourpotfilter.com. Or if you want your voice on this show, Give our little robot associate a little call, 1562-DRDJPOP. That is his name and his number, 1562-DR-DJ-POP. Just scream at the beginning of the message, welcome to the OCD, bitch, and we'll know to put your voicemail on this show. The holidays are upon us, Ryan. Hanukkah, the Hollandaise? The Hollandaise. We are covered in Hollandaise. We're also doing sort of a uh, super sloppy double dare thing going on. I mean, we like to do multiple things. For all the in-studio audience. So we're covered in Hollandaise. The holidays and the holidays are upon us. Hanukkah has come and gone, but there's still other gift-giving holidays coming up. So buy your family gifts and help us out at Amazon. Nope, yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your Amazon. Bookmark it. It helps us out every time you purchase through that way. Ryan. Yeah. You know what's going on next week? Uh, Another episode of the OCD. You are correct, sir. And on that show, we will be talking about the Cohen Boys Going to Las Vegas for a bachelor party. You mean the directors of No Country for Old Men? Yeah. Joel and Ethan invite Sandy, Jimmy, Ryan, Seth, and Caleb to a bachelor party in Las Vegas. This can only go well. And it's like in little short bursts. Every chapter is a little different. Uh, It sounds like little shorts of horrors. Little shorts of horrors. Little horror shorts. (laughs) Which is what they call me on stage. So that's happening in Vegas. Meanwhile, the girls are having fun with their own adventures. It feels like you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Latro! California!